hoping that 2021 would be a better year than 2020. The rollout of the corona vaccines um, at the end of December uh, gave some hope that we might expect life to be getting back to some kind of normality in a new year. But of course, we can never predict what will happen. Now already, there is a worry that there might be a third wave in Melbourne. So life is full of uncertainty, isn't it? And uncertainty causes us to be anxious. And in an age of anxiety, it is not surprising that many are not looking to external events for their hope. Instead, they are looking within themselves for the hope of happiness. And popular culture has been telling us that the secret to happiness is when you can be your true self. Just follow your heart, the popular culture tells us. Just follow your heart and you will find your true self. And then stay true to your authentic self and you will always be happy. Well, that is the formula offered by the world. But is that true? Is our happiness located in who our heart says we are? Well, sadly, I think those who put their trust in their heart are deceiving themselves because our heart can and often mislead us. And the Bible says that the heart, that figurative uh, heart that is our inner person, the heart is deceitful above all things. So our heart will deceive us, for we are all sinful people. We are broken people. And to seek our happiness uh, in our brokenness is really tragic, because whatever happiness there is will be short-lived and we will end up in misery again. But there is good news. You see, our brokenness can be fixed, and our sins can be forgiven, and we can have a new heart. Indeed, God has given us a new heart, and whoever believes in Jesus, that includes you and I, whoever believes in Jesus, they are a new creation. The old has gone, and the new is here. And so as believers of Jesus, we know that in Christ Jesus, we are new people, and we have a new heart. And we have a new heart, uh, that we have a new identity, and our identity is in Christ Jesus. And so as we begin the new year, I want to share with you all, I want to encourage all of us, to remember that. Let us not look at the world. Let us look to God. Let our eyes be fixed on Him who has made us new in Christ. So let us be reminded that our hope and our happiness is now located in our identity in Christ Jesus. And I want to encourage all of us to know that in Christ, we are loved by God. And God loves us, not just with a superficial affection, but with deep and everlasting affection. And the Apostle Peter 
describes God's love for us in Christ in this way. So if you have your Bible with you, please turn to the first letter of Peter, chapter 2, verses 9 to 12, the passage that was read for us uh, by Casey. Now in this passage, the Apostle Peter tells us that when our identity is in Christ, God now loves us as His new people. And this is our great privilege to be the new people of God. Look at verse 10. Peter says that, uh, says this of all Christians. Um, verse 10. Once you were not the people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now this verse is actually a reference uh, taken from the Old Testament prophecy uh, by the prophet Hosea. Now in his prophecy, Hosea said that because of persistent disobedience, uh, Israel was living like a pagan country, a pagan nation, and therefore um, God no longer had a people. But in the future, God will restore Israel as his people again. And the amazing thing about this restoration is that God will include Gentiles as well. And you and I, who were once outside of God's people, have now become God's people. And this is not on account of our own merit. No, it is on account of God's mercy. So it is because of God's mercy, we are now God's people. So as we learn from Simeon in his song on Christmas Day, God's mercy has come to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And so when we put our trust in Jesus, we receive God's mercy and we become God's people. So the, the, the church is the fulfillment of Hosea's prophecy about God's love for his people, for all people. But there is more. Peter says that in Christ, God not only loves the church as his new people, but God loves us also as the new Israel. So Christians are the new descendants of Abraham. And we have been learning a lot about Abraham, the fulfillment of uh, God's promise to Abraham, that all nations will be blessed through him. And so this is one another indication that God has fulfilled his promise to Abraham, that all Christians are now new descendants of Abraham. So let us look at uh, verse 9. Verse 9 read, But you, referring to Christians, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. No, sorry, I've got no... Okay. Um, now, um, you notice that a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and God's special possession 
Now, these are Old Testament descriptions of Israel. Okay? And Peter now applies these four descriptions of Israel to the church. Uh, let us look at each description in turn. A chosen people. Well, Peter says, the church, you and I, are a chosen people. And there is an idea of predestination here. God chose you and I even before the foundation of this world. He chose us to be in Christ. Now this choosing should never make us proud because God did not select us on the basis of some inherent qualities that we have. No. We don't deserve to be selected. But God chose us on the basis of His mercy, on the basis of His grace. And therefore, we ought to be grateful to God when we hear that God has chosen us. We, got to be, we have to be grateful to God. And we show our gratitude in the way we love and serve the people in the church even if the people in the church are very different from us. And this is how we should show our gratitude, to love the very different people in our midst. Now, in fact, we should expect the local church to have people who are very different from us because God has chosen both Jews and Gentiles. And if language is not a problem, a local church should consist of people from different ethnicity, uh, from, from different culture. And there will be the rich and there will be the poor. And in the church, we will see different generations, from baby boomers uh, to the latest generation, Generation Alpha, um, those born after 2010. So we hope and we pray that TGCC will be diverse in its demographics because when we are diverse in uh, our demographics, we will display the glory of God in choosing all kinds of people. When we are a diverse people, uh, when we are a diverse group of people, uh, we will display the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ to unite all people, regardless of race, uh, gender, uh, or class. And when we are diverse in our makeup, we will display the love we have for one another. Okay, so that's the first description of the church, uh, chosen people. The second description of the church is that we are a royal priesthood. Now, royal means that we worship and serve God as our king. Now, priesthood means that you and I are to represent God to the world, and we are to represent the world to God. And we fulfill the role of priesthood with our prayers. And Jesus taught us that in our prayer, uh, we are to hallow God's name. And we are to pray that God's kingdom comes and God's will be done on earth. 
So I admit that my prayer life can be better, and I'm sure yours can be better too. So uh, let us let us strive in this new year, knowing that we are a royal priesthood. Let us strive to pray that all people will fear God, and we want to pray also that many will honor God's name and the name of His Son Jesus. And may we also pray that more people will turn to God in repentance, and especially our loved ones who do not yet know Christ. We want to pray that God's glory will be shown when He saves them and build them into the kingdom of His Son. So let us make uh, this the focus of our prayer for this year, that more people will fear God and more people will come into his kingdom, the kingdom of his son, Jesus. Okay, the next description of the church is that it is a holy nation. Now, as a holy nation, we are set apart for God and we are set apart for God's use. And God wants to use the church to show the world what he is like, what his moral character is like, and what is his love is like. And so the church must be characterized by our obedience uh, to God's word and by her desire uh, to be sanctified, to be made holy. So these two characteristics must uh, be the mark of, of all churches. Obedience to God's word and a desire to be made holy, to be sanctified. But sadly, many in the church today have lost their desire to be obedient to God's word. They question the authority of God's word today, and they also question the relevance of God's word. And so they turn to human philosophy, and they turn to human philosophy for their moral compass, and they go along with public opinion to decide what is right and what is wrong. And like the and they live like the world, and so disqualify themselves from the church. Now, as a holy nation, the church must recover the supreme authority of God's word in all matters of faith and in all matters of morality and in all matters of right and wrong living. We must also recover the desire to be holy, to be more and more like Christ. And we look to Christ as our model we want to follow him in his way of life, in his humility, in his love, in his fight against sin and temptation, and in his desire to please God. Come to the fourth description of God's new people. We are God's special possession. Now, have you ever possessed an expensive item? one in which you have saved lots of money to purchase. Now, perhaps you, you have saved lots of money to purchase a gold watch or a diamond ring or a piece of antique. Now, if you have done that, you, you want to treasure it, don't you? It is your special possession. Now, likewise, God loves us as his special possession. God has paid 
with the blood of his one and only son to purchase us, to redeem us as his own. So we are not our own. We belong to God. We are precious to him. Now when we realize we are precious to God, when we recognize that in Christ Jesus, we are deeply loved by God, what should our response be? Well, there is only one answer and there's only one response. We are to be ever grateful to God. And we are to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. And the way we love God is to faithfully live out our identity as God's new people. We've got to live out faithfully as God's holy nation. So in other words, we are to be influencers, influencers of godliness in our society. Now today, there are many, many influencers on social media. Um, maybe you're one of them. I, I'm not aware yet, but you know, if I look in the, your blog, you may be an influencer. Now, influencers are people who have developed a niche uh, in their area of expertise, maybe in fashion, uh, maybe in food, or in beauty care, or in travel, or whatever. So based on their authority and their authenticity, they can persuade people, their followers, uh, to purchase and use a certain product. Or they can influence their followers to behave and live like them. So likewise, the church must influence society to fear God and to shun evil. And as Jesus himself said, we are to be salt and light in this world. Salt as an anti-decay agent, light as the pointer to what is true and what is good. So, Christians are to be influencers. But we are not to use social media to influence society, to fear God and shun evil. Instead, we are to influence people through our lives, our real lives. And we do that through three areas of our lives. First, we need to boldly pro proclaim the gospel. We need to evangelize. Look at the second part of verse 9. The church is to declare the praises of Him who called us out of darkness into His wonderful light. Now, to be called out of darkness into His wonderful light is to be saved from God's wrath and be gifted with His eternal life. And this is a blessing we don't deserve but it is the result of God's mercy. And so we want others to also receive God's mercy and be blessed with eternal life. So at every opportunity, we want to share the gospel with our friends and with our families. And at the church level, evangelism will be our main outreach activity. And Jesus has given us the great commission 
to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And we must obey. And so we want to take the task of evangelism seriously. We want every member, every one of you, to be conversant with sharing the gospel. And we will provide training for you to do that. And so at some stage this year, uh, we will introduce the Christianity Explored course so that you can share the gospel with your family and your friends. We also want to be involved in gospel work locally and overseas. In the future, if some of you want to consider apprenticeship in the gospel ministry, we want to support you. We want to make TGCC a, a, a mission-supporting church. And so we have a policy to give 10% of our offering that we receive to mission work. So evangelism is one area we can be great influencers of godliness. The second area we can be godly influencers is when we fight sin and fight temptation in our lives. Look at verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Now, Christians are to see themselves as foreigners and as exiles. And so we don't belong to this world. We are pilgrims passing through. And as pilgrims, we do not seek the glories of this world. Neither do we seek the desires of this world. This is because the glories and the desires of this world stem from the last of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and they feed the pride of life. So all these are sinful desires that run counter to the character of who we are. Remember, we are a holy nation, and we are to be holy as God is holy. And the sinful desires for the pleasures and the glories of this world, if we try to Indulging them, be sure that they will draw us away from God. And so we must resist them. We must fight temptation and we must fight sin in our lives. Otherwise, our proclamation of the gospel will be hollow. You see, we cannot be indulging in sin while proclaiming the gospel that saves us from sin, because that would be hypocritical. So friends, abstain from sinful desires and you will be a godly influencer for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, the last area, the third area we can be god godly influencers is when we bless those who persecute us when we bless those who persecute us. Look at verse 12. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Now, Christians have always been known for their good deeds. Since the time of the early church, Christians have looked after widows and orphans they have looked, they have cared for abandoned infants. 
and they have helped the poor, and they have come to the aid of the oppressed, and they have loved their enemies. But our enemies will often misinterpret our good deeds. Whether it's out of hostility or out of jealousy, some people will accuse Christians of doing evil deeds. So, for example, uh, Christians in some Muslim countries are often falsely accused of blasphemy. Now, in the West, uh, we are often accused of being bigots or intolerant of other people. Uh, we are often accused of being prudish. But we must not give our opponents any reason to validate their accusations. Instead, we are all the more to live such good lives that those who persecute us will know that they are in the wrong. So as the Apostle Paul tells us, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Do not overcome, or do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So we are to do good to, to counter the evil around us. So brothers and sisters, we need to heed this advice seriously. We can expect increasing hostility from the world. The world will not stop mocking us. They will not stop opposing us. But we are always to bless our persecutors. Why? Because there is a coming judgment. There is a coming judgment of God. Peter says that on the day God visits us, that is the day of reckoning. That is the day of judgment. And on the day that God visits us, those who have been opposing and oppressing God's people, they will face condemnation. But for God's people who have been loving their enemies, they will bring glory to God. So friends, as we begin the new year, let us live our lives for God's glory. When we live for God's glory, no one can take away our hope and our happiness. When we live for God's glory, nothing can spoil our joy and our peace. And to live for God's glory, we need to treasure our identity in Christ. We need to live as God's holy people. And we need to be influencers for our Lord Jesus Christ and His gospel. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Sovereign Lord, You have sustained us through a difficult year. And please take away our anxious thoughts for the new year as we put our trust in You. Keep reminding us that You have chosen us to be Your holy people and help us to live in gratitude in response to your love and mercy. Grant us opportunities that we may be influencers for the gospel. And please use our lives to bring many to know Jesus. We pray this in his name and for your glory. Amen.